Okay, so what if you could double your online fundraising this coming year? Would that fundraising change your programs, your impact? Oh, I'm thinking it would. Would it change your attitude? I'm thinking, hell yes. Well, my guest today can say with credibility that it's possible. It's time for you to think like a screenwriter. What, you say? You have no background in cinema? Sure you do. Your favorite TV show your top 10 favorite movies of all time, the best book you read in the last six months. My guest will tell you that in the context of the media you consume alone, you have all the tools you need. Story is, as he says, in our DNA. In my work with organizations large and small, it is stunning how terribly nonprofit leaders tell their stories. And don't get me started on board members. We are so forgetting their role as ambassadors and lead storytellers but we ain't forgetting today. Today, we're going to talk about the structure of a great story, and our guest will introduce you to the hero's journey. After this podcast, you're going to think you went on a journey with a hero named Dan. Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, author, blogger, and founder of the Nonprofit Leadership Lab gets it. She is here to help. Dan Portnoy is the founder of Portnoy Media Group and the author of The Nonprofit Narrative, How Telling Stories Can Change the World. And for what it's worth, this little book, yes, little, packs a big punch. For over two decades, Dan has worked with the toughest outposts of Fortune 500 companies to get them back on track with big results. He is a sought-after consultant to help flesh out ideas, coach teams, and lead senior staff members through the digital age. He is a story expert, and he builds narratives that remove the barriers between traditional cultivation and acquisition. He's worked with many nonprofits, and today he's going to work with you. Dan, thanks for joining me and for sharing your insights with our listeners. Oh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. So, Dan, let's test drive this storytelling skills of yours. <laughs> Tell us yours. I know you didn't start out as a nonprofit consultant and that that's not all you do, but that this particular career was not necessarily on your radar. Ready? Tell me a story, Dan. Sure. Well, I started in the uh, professional world as a, uh, what's uh, deemed as a fixer. Um, so I would get sent to as basically like a, a regional trainer, um, and I would go talk to people. And uh, the thing is, I have a real keen eye for systems. So I did very well at that. And I did that for about 10 years. And then I got hired uh, by a uh, the church I was going to actually hired me to uh, be a media director. Because the thing was, while I was being a, a fixer that whole time, I also started uh, this radio thing at night. And I was a DJ and I did concerts and I did we did all this stuff up and down the East Coast. It was super fun. Um, so I got kind of my, my feet wet. Uh, doing media, which is really great. And then um, in 2007, I made a movie called The Great American Road Trip. And it was, we didn't know what we were doing, which is common when you're first making a movie. Uh, But we ended up making a 42-minute, five-episode series about three guys jumping in a car and seeing what happens. And we literally had no plan. I threw my friends into things. I didn't book hotels. I didn't do anything. And I was kind of a jerk to them, but they are still (laughs) my friends. So that's good. Um, And then uh, in 2008, I was uh, uh, some job change. My uh, work at the church had finished up and I 
production company out here asked me to help them. They're a nonprofit. They were making this movie. They said, we saw what you did last year. Can you come and help us? And I said, no way. I'm not going to LA. And uh, because LA, have you met Los Angelinos? I mean, we're a weird bunch. And at the time, as 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 a longtime East Coaster, I was like, no, thanks. So I came to town, I helped them, um, and then kind of fell backwards and thinking I would do producing, uh, that I would produce. And I, I still do. Um, but I fell into, uh, uh, the office of the union rescue mission and they said, how would you do this better? What we're doing. And it was a, a lot of web work. And I taught myself HTML in there because of the radio and the other stuff. And, um, I basically insulted them for about two hours. And at the end, <laughs> they, not ever thinking that I was going to work here, but just being super honest about like, you have a real, so it was 2008 and they had a really great mid nineties doctor's office website at the time. <laughs> and I was like, this is really great, but you're not a dentist and it's not the nineties. So we can't do this. And they, and the craziest part was at the end of it, they said, would you give us a, a proposal on what you do? And uh, long story short, I ended up doing a whole bunch of work with them. We changed how they do their online giving, um, which I wrote into the book, which you've referenced. And um, and so now I, I do. I still do a lot of fixing. I have a lot of hard conversations, whether it's in production or um, with a nonprofit talking about their uh, communication and how they do. And it's all centered around stories. So I really love it. Um, so... Um when you went to Union Rescue Mission and mm-hmm. uh, you t- you insulted them for a couple of hours, yeah, you um, you were challenged as you engaged with their materials about how they described and talked about what they did. That's at least part of what the problem was, right? Yes, definitely. They, the The crazy part to me was to see the stakes of like, so I'm down on Skid Row. I had never been to Skid Row before, which is uh, a, just a, a wild thing in general because it's um, Los Angeles is in crisis and, and it has been in crisis for a very long time. I think it's actually worse now than it was in 2008. But um, so it was like they have life and death literally on their doorstep, but their website at the time was like, check out our dentist's office. And they do have a, they have a dental office there and it's actually really, really cool. Wow. Because they do a lot of work. Like there's so much restorative stuff that they're doing to uh, people experiencing homelessness because if you've got bad teeth because you've been doing drugs for a long time, this is a really important step. Oh which my gosh, is a yes. very, it's, it's a, it's really good, but it wouldn't be the choice that I'd lead with. And You're that not- was what we talked about. Right. Um, that it, you have life and death. So let's talk about life and death and the difference that you're making there. And that's, and that's kind of where we started. Um, why do you think that, so here we have nonprofit leaders. I'm always struck by this, right? I said in the open that um, nonprofits do a stunningly terrible job of telling their organization's story. And I see it time and time again. In fact, I, um, I teach a class, um, I'm not currently teaching because I'm too busy, but I, I teach a class at the Annenberg School at University of Pennsylvania um, on nonprofit communication strategy. And sometimes I will take one of our sessions and I will just arbitrarily select 10 nonprofit organization websites and read to the class some of the material that's on the homepage and then ask them to tell me what it is the organization actually is all about. And inevitably, every time I do it, we all end up weeping with laughter because Mm -hmm. we actually aren't very sure. Why do you think that 
people who are in the business of changing the world, right? People who are so passionate and so determined have trouble getting their stories right. I think it's because it, we we tend to overcomplicate it. That's all like usually the case because when I talk with a, a nonprofit and I say, tell me what you do, they don't tell me we do this. They tell me a five-minute story or longer that involves tears. It's gut felt. It's, it's amazing. Like it's a good thing, but it doesn't work if I don't know them and I'm not in person. So it's... It's also, there's another piece of it for me. Tell me if you agree, but I also yeah. think... Um, People tend to make a list of their activities. So we are an organization that uh, fights, uh, is working to, to for an end to the HIV AIDS epidemic. And sure. we have a homeless shelter. We have a clinic. We have a food mm-hmm. pantry. We do legal advocacy work. We, um, oh my gosh, our Friday night dinners are amazing. Um, and... Uh, uh, we do h- housing. And by the time the list is finished, you've actually forgotten the first five things someone right. has said, and you have never talked about a person. Mm-hmm. I often yeah, find I that that's, that's a big issue. Um, so and it's I, hard. I mean, it's yeah. hard if I'm the nonprofit, like there's a lot swirling. So how do you say this is important? And it's not that because everything can't be important, but and that's the tough part. Because you're like, listen, man, I work at this nonprofit. I get, I pay, get paid thirty percent less here to do this job. I'm in the gap. I'm saving the world, literally. And what am I supposed to do now? And I think all of this stuff is important. And that's that's a very hard place to be. So it's it's usually not from a a, a lack of earnestness. Oh my or, gosh, or no, oh, no, no. There's no. It's and, usually and, because right. it's it's an overabundance of like this is important, and I don't want to forget them. And Jan down the hall, and she's doing amazing things. And then our gala, and did you see our our uh, annual report? And I mean, like all of these things are important, and they are, but you just can't fire hose everybody. The um, there's a there's a sense of if I forget one of our programs, that may be the thing that really resonates for Dan. Right. Or, um, or here's the other piece of this, and, and we can get into this. Let's, let's say this and then park it. Yeah. Is um, who are you talking to? Right. It does it matter who your audience is? And a lot of times if I'm talking to nonprofits, they'll say, well, my, my website really has to speak to everyone. And, and, oh. And, I, and that can be a challenge. Well, let's come back to that. Sure. So, so your hook here was that nonprofit leaders tend to overcomplicate their storytelling. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about making it simple, right? Sure. So can you tell us this? <laughs> so um, I want you to talk a little bit about the hero's narrative, the hero's journey. Right. And it's a perfect it's actually a perfect framing device for nonprofit leaders because I think of them as heroes. Um, uh, You know, I I run a membership site with this wonderful community of heroes, the Nonprofit Leadership Lab. And our logo is this little orange superhero. And um, so let's take the superheroes on the hero's journey. Uh, tell me about the elements and if you'd like to tell the story of a particular organization by way of to to illustrate the journey i'm good with that too 
Sure. Okay. So the hero's journey is not my creation. I think that's probably the first thing. Um, It's a classic thing. And most people will be like, yes, I've heard of the hero's journey before. And I go, okay, great. Um, So Joseph Campbell came up with it back in the uh, 70s, 60s. Um, And it's just a great framework. I really like it for uh, this this kind of framework. I went to the McKee seminar, which is Robert McKee wrote a, a book called Story out here. And it really broke my brain. Um, in the best possible way, uh, because it started helping me think about everything in this kind of context of um, what's happening and where where do we start? Well, with with nonprofits, I tend to think that the hero is your audience, and that's actually different. When I first started this, I thought the hero was the organization, and they are. And don't get me wrong, I think heroes. Everyone who's working there is a hero. Like that's that's a, a real thing. Oh, so, the, okay, so I'm going to stop you right there because I think that that might be a little counterintuitive to people. Mm-hmm. I I might think there are people listening, uh, talking about my HIV organization, that the hero might be uh, the client. Yeah. Well, and I would say, I would say that when you're telling a story online and, and they could be, the client could be uh, the hero, but I tend to think of it usually in terms of donors and volunteers and benefactors. That Good. Way. So, so, okay. So keep driving. I'm, we're listening. Okay. So I, so, so I think that your hero is the audience. So you have to do a little bit of tracking to find out who that audience is. Now, classically speaking, we'd say women in their forties because women in their forties are the the largest donors to every nonprofit pretty much ever. Um, They change the world, women in their forties, way to go. Uh, But that, also can be nuanced. So you have to do a little bit of KPI reports. We can get back to what those are in a minute, but um, you find out who your hero is and there's some sort of call to adventure. We'll get the call to adventure is the invitation from you. And that can be the website. That can be a whole lot of things um, involved that way. But it has to start with usually some sort of why. We talk about an inciting incident in a, in a story, which is, you know, um, they discover the ring or, you know, Princess Leia leaves a crazy transmission or, you know, something like that um, along the way that starts the story. Well, the, the story start for a nonprofit, I think, is the reason you're doing it, which it's your why. And I feel like that's really buzz language. You know, obviously, Simon Sinek um, and his book, Start With Why, is, uh, was, uh, is much more popular even now, I think, than it was uh, eight years ago when it came out. Um, but the, the point of the nonprofit, I think, is the mentor character. Um, so we as the nonprofit are the Glinda the Good Witch. We are Obi-Wan. We're Gandalf. We're um, any mentor character you can think of. Mm-hmm. But we know this journey because when we think about this in terms of a January to December, this is a cycle that happens every year for us, just like the hero's journey. I mean, so whether we're doing a single movie or a trilogy or, or you know, Harry Potter here, we're coming back around because school starts in the fall every year for that, right? Well, our school starts every January and we get to say, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. And I tend to think of it like um, instead of having three acts, we have three campaigns. Um, it's just a real easy framework to understand. I think a lot of nonprofits, um, when I started with Union Rescue Mission, they were doing 12 different campaigns, one a month. And it was, it was just so much. It was just so very much. And so we started kind of thinking it uh, a little bigger. And then when I, I did some work with uh, United Way uh, Los Angeles here, and we did one. It was one all ooh, year. Was the ooh, one okay. I'm, I want to come back to United Way because I think that's sure. a hard story to tell. So, so sure. let's, let's do this. Let's, um, yeah. so, so keep going through the journey and then tell, let's, let's talk about Union Rescue Mission and what it, and because you've mentioned it a couple of times. Let's, sure, sure, let's, sure. let's bring the, uh, the organization to life. 
Okay. So, um, so we'll use union rescue mission because they're a great, great option. Um, so their donor is the hero and their why is they want to, they don't want people to be on the street. That's their why. Um, we think everybody deserves to sleep in a bed. So okay. they're going to come and then they then there's, uh, they, they run a whole lot of programs that are basically behind that. They, they have a, uh, they have a dentist's office, they have a legal aid, they have, uh, they have, they do haircuts, they do like clothing, they do furniture, they do housing, they do, uh, there's a whole program they have where, uh, people can get their whole lives back on track. And it's all behind that first question of why, why do you do this? And we want to get people off the street. We want to restore lives. So that's their thing. So the fun part for us as as storytellers, as we're bringing people around that circle, whether it's the spring, there are ups and downs, right? Like I don't have to, you know, it's really easy to imagine that things aren't going to go exactly the way you want this next six months. Um, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. The gala is going to go great, but we had bad turnout for this other thing. And then we did this and it wasn't great. And it's important as the nonprofit to share that information, to not just do, we do a terrible job usually with feedback. And so I tend to think of events or campaigns or anything. It's about three quarters the way through a revolution. So we still have our next piece that's going to be thanking people and posting things and putting in your social media and getting all of that done so that when we, as we head on to, I I tend to just think of it as like a braid, you know, it's like the next thing. And then the next part's coming in as you're finishing up on one. And then here's our next campaign or our next piece or our next video to download or, or check out our podcast or that kind of thing. I think the, the tough part is most nonprofits go, what am I really offering to my donor? And there's a lot there, but I think we get caught up as this for-profit system. Like they're going to give me money and I'm going to give them a widget and that's how it works. And it is how it works, but there's, that still happens with a nonprofit. You give me money and I give you validation of your human experience. There we go. And that is very important. Very important. Right. Uh, because that's Bingo. the kind of stuff that's that, it. That, that makes us, it drives us. We want that. We want that story personally to say, if somebody says, and this is what I think is funny because a lot of nonprofits go, that's not really that big a deal. And they have this like huge bag of strengths that they carry on their, on their belt and forget about it. And it's very normal. It's very normal. And I just feel like I'm the mechanic that I go, guys, you have all of these tools. Do you, do, should we use them? And they go, yeah, well, I guess let's see what happens. Okay. So stay with me now. So, so stay, stay with me, Dan. So, so I let's I'm the donor. Let's say yes. I am the donor. I have come to learn more about Union Rescue, um, and I understand the why, which is that mm-hmm. they uh, this is an organization that does not believe that people should be on the streets. That yes. people deserve to have, the, the playing field should be level. Everyone mm-hmm. should have an equal opportunity at work and life and all of those sorts of things. Yes. Okay. So you talked about an inciting incident. Is that the next leg of the journey? Well, that's, that's actually the why. So that's Ah. the why. So we're, we've, we're through that. So now we talk about the setting, right? Ah, Okay. The setting of, of where they are. So they're very, they're telling a specific story from the streets of Los Angeles, specifically the edge of Skid Row, which Skid Row is a, so we have to do some defining to, to catch you up, right? Okay. To let you know if magic is real in this world, just like, just like any story is magic real. Is this, is this a present day story? Is this past story? So with union rescue mission, we talk about a legacy because they're a hundred and I think they're 130 years old now. Um, so they're an organization that's been around for a while. They've moved a couple of times and now they're on the edge of Skid Row where there are five 
homeless services, uh, giant agencies right close together within like two blocks of each other. And so what's the deal with Skid Row? So we have to kind of define that it's a five block by 10 block radius of where uh, I think it's like 20 to 50,000 people are on the street every month. Okay, so you, so you now so have, have to, you now totally have me, right? Right. Is, but I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so I know that there are lots of homeless people. I care mm-hmm. about the issue of homelessness, right? Yes. Um, and now you have create you've brought it to life for me by mm-hmm. saying that Union Rescue Mission is located in this incredibly dense de- mm-hmm. a, a neighborhood that is incredibly dense. Right. densely populated with folks who are on the street. Right. And then I can show you pictures of the homeless camps and the, and people on the street and what that looks like and how, um, you know, we can talk about how the CDC is worried about plague and we can talk about, which is like nuts. And, but I can also talk to you about why it's uh, basically, I, I viewed it very, very cinematically that um, Union Rescue Mission was on the edge of the desert. Okay. Um, that they're like a lighthouse on the edge of, of chaos in some uh-huh. ways. And uh-huh. I know that that's not very, you know, there are people um, who might live on Skid Row that would be like, that's not really fair. And, and there's part of it that I would say, you're right, uh, because it's not like everything is terrible in the whole world down there, but there is a huge need and I don't mind amping it a little bit uh, uh-huh. because that's called storytelling. Because if I, if I just give you the facts, that's called the news and that's a different thing. <laughs> okay, um, so, so the setting is clear to me and I actually even get some sort of a metaphor that actually gives me a sense of place, right? And it, right. so you have, you've defined the why and then you've put me in the, you've brought the, the place to life. Then what happens? Well, then we want to talk about maybe there's some, uh, then I would introduce one of the heroes of Union Rescue Mission, which okay. would be the CEO. Um, okay. Andy Bales is a, a guy who's um, been on the street since he came to uh, to Union Rescue Mission. He is a guy that's, uh, he, it's, and it's really wild. I've seen him, uh, I've seen him move from talking to Paris Hilton to talking to um, someone who's absolutely addicted to drugs back to back and it's the same. Mm. Uh, the way he talks with people and it's, it's, he's very, he's just a very warm, loving guy. Um, he really cares about people. Um, uh, but he's not just like, I'll just love everybody. He's also very strategic. Like he's not just the kind of guy that's just like, I just love everybody. He's like, listen, we got stuff to do. We got to, we got to get moving. We got to be, we got to be, uh, we need partners in the city council and we need partners on the, the state level. And we need, you know, just all of these things because that's how homelessness works like when we when we want to involve more people or like legislation so he's so i'm going to introduce that hero and what he does uh with it as kind of your co co-laborer right here's somebody who's doing and i can highlight who's in charge alex who's in charge of volunteers i can highlight um a board member another staff person who's in charge of the kitchen they serve they used to serve three thousand meals a day down there. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And so as by virtue of introducing me, the prospective donor to those people, do I, um, does that ignite that I want to, um, help support them? Does it, does it, or does it ignite in the world of story? Like I want to be like them or I want to co, I want to be part of what they do. I want to lead with them, with my checkbook, like Mm -hmm. any of those things, all of those things. 
it, it's a little bit of all, but I think it also comes down to the nonprofit. Like if we're saying when we start the storytelling, we're going to talk about what's our end goal. Are we trying okay. to get donors? Are we trying to get volunteers? Because so, if I start telling yep. that, I'm going to differentiate and say, listen, here's Alex down at the volunteer office. I want you to come meet him. We're going to do things Saturday yes. morning, 8 a.m. Come on down. We're doing a briefing on how to, on how you can be involved. Or okay. I can say, you know what? Here's a video of Alex doing that with some volunteers. And you know what? We need your help financially. Okay. Um, I need you to write me a check for $200 right now. Okay. And so and, that and, in that situation, the work comes to life and I see one of the heroes at Union Rescue Mission mm-hmm. and I say, I understand the work, the setting, and now I understand the people who are doing the work and I want to mm-hmm. be, I, I, I want to be part of it. Is right. that, and so and, that's like, yeah, so so in, in a hero's journey or a classic adventure story, when the hero gets involved, right, they, they get involved, they write a check. So yes. that's the same thing. They write a check and they're changing, right? Because that's always the part in the story, right? The hero has to change over the course of the story. At first, they reject the call and then they say, you know what? I'm, I'm in, I'm going to, I'm going to do something. And so whether they, uh, I feel like that's where the people can write a check. They can become a, a regular monthly donor and get to that greenest grass for, for most nonprofits. Do you think that most nonprofits think about, so I, so I am now, so I've written a check. Let's say I've mm-hmm. written a check to union rescue mission. Um, Fantastic. um, that I, how is it that, so, so I have two questions. So my sure. first one is, how do how do I feel like a hero? And do you think that nonprofit organizations actually engage in in storytelling and fundraising, thinking about me as a hero, or do they? I'm, I'm going back to your original com- comment. People think the organization is a hero. How do you how do you navigate that shift? Because I think nonprofit organizations think of themselves as the heroes, the protagonist, um, not necessarily me because I wrote a check. How does how does the storytelling shift in order to ignite in me this sense that I'm a hero? Well, that kind of, that makes sense because if a lot of nonprofits think of themselves as the hero, when you write me a check, you're just doing what you're supposed to. Correct. And there's, there's nothing, you have not affirmed my human, no. what did you, what did you say, my humanity? My, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you have not recognized that, um, that I did something heroic. Right. Right. And that's the problem because this is where most nonprofits would say, we're really bad at feedback. We're really bad at that. Like, I don't know one place is like, you know what, you know what we do great that after they write us a check, we're great. We're great right there. No, it's because, and so that's a little shift. That's a little tweak. To it's say, important because, because I think most organizations say, help us be heroes. Yes. But if you can actually not, make like, yeah. me, if you can make me feel like a hero, the likelihood that I'm going to continue to be involved or involved at a greater level is so much higher. Right. Right. And it's not, it's not big stuff. Cause when we get to it, the classic stuff is that a, every person uh, that if you look at a donor file, usually it's two gifts of $75 annually. So they're worth $150. Right. Okay. But if I can say, I don't want you to write me two checks a year anymore. I want you to join my monthly donors at 25 bucks yep. and they're going to go, that's too little. And I'll say, well, go with 50 bucks is fine with me, you know, if that's what you can do, but 25 bucks would be amazing. And why? Because I just doubled them. If they say yes, they're worth twice as much to my donor file right away. Yep. 
just right away. And the thing is that's important is that we're validating that like you're helping us do this and you're joining us. This is how you join us in this journey. Not we're heroes and you write us a check and now we go, yeah, because that's what you're supposed to do. And that tends to be kind of an, uh, uh, I would say a very underlying attitude. Um, I think the other part is there sometimes, especially in the world of homelessness. So I've worked with homelessness for 10 years now in LA and I was, I was talking with a consultant who actually felt like the reason homelessness was an issue was because people make bad choices and that was it. And, and, and so there was a lot of blaming and I was like, oh, well, you're never going to be able to tell the story well, because if that's what you think, cause I'm, I mean, I've made bad choices. I'm not on the street. So right. that doesn't equal, uh, the thing. Um, so it's just, it's just important and it's small tweaks, I think with any nonprofit to get, to go from, um, we're the hero to we're heroes together. Yes. Cause I, cause I'm, I don't want to take anything away, but if you can even step back and say, listen, I'm the, I'm going to bring you through this journey. That's my job. Then things get really crazy, really fast. And they're, and it's really fun, but it is a pride issue. There's also something that you said when you were talking earlier about mentorship, which is, um, so I'm a donor to union rescue Mm -hmm. and, um, and maybe the CEO or the, you know, somebody who does the work there is uh, he, they're, they're like the Obi-Wan, right? Mm -hmm. And, Part of I think one of what thing people miss, especially with um, major donor fundraising, sort of higher end stuff, is that I want to be uh, as a function of making a donation. I want to be enriched. I want to learn more. Like you, Dan, you you know maybe when you first started working with Union Rescue, you didn't know the half of it about the systemic causes of homelessness, Not even, yeah. right? Yeah. So. True. Uh, Obi-Wan gets to shepherd me as the hero uh, and mentor me so that I really understand why, I mean, I got from a gut level, of course, I I don't want people to be homeless, but to understand and appreciate the, um, the the complex web of issues that lead to it, that enriches me. I'm a better hero if I'm a smarter hero, I would think. Right, and and I think that's a great lead-in because that helps highlight our villain. And our villain is the cause that the nonprofit is fighting. Okay. So so I think that the issue of homelessness and any nonprofit who can take their issue that they're fighting, whether it's clean water or we're trying to... um, we're just trying to give people skills. There's a, there's a systemic issue, right, that we can fight. And the more we can nuance it as a villain, it makes our, it makes our validation go faster and much quicker. So when I talk about homelessness, I can talk about breakdown of the family. I can talk about PTSD. I can talk about drugs. I can talk about a systemic issue that is against uh, poverty and a mindset that happens and, and all of these things that are happening throughout our city and, and then get it very specific to Los Angeles and maybe this uh, uh, one area of town like Hollywood or Skid Row. Um, and the more I can do that, the more you're in, the more you're going to be just so into like, oh, I didn't realize this. Because I'll tell you, like it was when I first started and standing next to, so I actually slept on Skid Row with Andy Bales mm-hmm. um, in 2010. And, um, and it was very um, sanitized. I'll just say like it wasn't, right. we just slept out behind the, the mission. But it was very eye-opening because I learned about 
you don't often see kids on Skid Row, but I saw some at 1130 at night with their mom. Mm. And, and that was very interesting. And then I got stories and there's a, there's a guy named Sugar Bear who's uh, down there and Sugar Bear used to sell drugs all on Skid Row. And now he works at Union Rescue Mission. And he used to like, but he was this guy because he's so lovely. He's such a lovely guy. He would sell drugs. And on the way to getting your drugs, you could get chicken. He like did this chicken. I'm like, you were making community around <laughs> drugs. And he's like, yep. And I'm like, that's amazing. I mean, it's terrible, but it's amazing. Cause it just tells you a little bit about him. And so his story's insane. So if I put a camera on him for 60 seconds and I go, sugar bear, tell me what's going on here right now. It's yep. 1030 at night. It's a Tuesday. It's the end of the month. And he's going to say, well, see, these guys are gangbangers that are going through and they're holding up their shirts to show that they don't have any weapons on them. So they get mm -hmm. safe passage and then they're going to go down here to the, um, to the, the, the iron wall and the iron walls where everybody scores. So there, and it's just like this crazy education that is happening. It's like, Oh wow. I never realized that so much was happening. And so it's just kind of a wild thing. And the thing is, I mean, this is really like gritty and like, uh, from a storytelling point is just like fireworks. Right. And so someone goes, well, Dan, I'm, I'm helping kids with diabetes. And I go, okay, so life and death. Right. Our values, and uh, a friend of mine, they they uh, their their child was eighteen months old and diagnosed with type one diabetes. Yep, life and death. Super interesting. Like from a storytelling point, like horrifying. Right, you're a young, yep. you're a new parent, and your kid now is not responding well to food, and every time they eat is crazy. I mean, and kids and food anyway is crazy if you're. Yeah not dealing with type one diabetes. So it's just about bringing it. And it, I just think of it as the flavors of the biggest Marvel movie to, um, you know, the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I'm trying to think of um, just the, the latest British drama. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're saying they're interesting, but they're interesting to different people for different reasons. I Some think you were, might've been looking for Downton Abbey or something. Right? Yes. That's what I was looking for. Thank <laughs> you. I couldn't think of it. It's like British show. Pretty awesome. Um, so, um, so is the, the journey, we, we're to the villain. Is there, is there, do we, do we come all the way back or is that the, well, we, yeah, we're going to go around. So, so usually when we're talking about the setting, we talk about the, cause crucial to any adventure story, we have the hero, the victim and the villain. Um, very crucial. So the victim in a, uh, a story like this is the people we serve. Uh, because people have been victimized by whatever, or the ocean has been victimized by human garbage, or whatever it is. Um, there, there are things that we can nuance. So we, we want to do that. And I don't mean victim language like victim blaming Correct. or anything like that. Um, but there is, these are just story terms, not you know, socioeconomic terms or um, anything like that. So as we're going around, we're taking them through some trials. There's always the trial, challenges and temptations, right? There's that the, usually referred to in the middle build of any story. Um, and it's going to be the, the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs. And I, I reference even in the book, um, Charity Water was ready to have one of their biggest like anniversary, yay, pieces of their like thousandth well and it went terrible and it was live streamed and everything was awful. And we watched as Scott, uh, the CEO, just like slowly like got sad. Like he was just like, I've let you all down. Like, and it was amazing. And it was sad and it was real. And there was such an outpouring and he, he goes home and he writes this blog post and he posts it and he's like, I'm so sorry, I've let you all down. And the outpouring of people who are like, 
no, we're on this thing together, man. Like it's ups and downs. That's how it goes. But the honesty, you've got to be honest about things. And that has to do with, they spent a lot of time talking to people and thanking them after they made donations. They were very involved in the whole process. So that's why that monthly email, that bi-monthly email or a bi-weekly email that's coming out saying, hey, this is what we're doing. And hey, this is what's happening. And would you give us a donation? But not, I feel like so many nonprofits, they start beating that horse with, I need your help. 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 I need your help, which is an okay thing to do. But I think it needs to be maybe a softer ask. And maybe, I mean, we've got a lot of different tools. I also just think, um, I need your help makes me uh, like a log, an additional log that goes on your fire. And in order right. for me to be somebody who's with your organization for the long haul, I need to feel like I had something to do with making the fire happen. Agreed. I need to sort of own it in some way. So we're yeah. um, we're here talking about storytelling. Um, we're talking with Dan Portnoy, who is the founder of Portnoy Media Group, and he's written a really a gem of a book called The Nonprofit Narrative, How Telling Stories Can Change the World. And he opens his book by saying, what if you could double your online fundraising this next year? And the, so this is a book that is really about the connection between story and funding. How do you like them apples? So um, you get to choose here, Dan. You can either take continue us around the circle or we can actually, because I know that anyone who's listening wants to know how to double their online fundraising in a year. They, mm-hmm. they get this idea. The hero is the donor. Mm-hmm. So Joan is the donor. As a, uh, Joan has donated to Union Rescue Mission. Mm-hmm. So, so I need some tactical ideas. Now I've taken off that hat and now I'm running a nonprofit organization and mm-hmm. I and I need help, Dan. I, I need to raise more money online. I think I'm hearing what you're saying. Um, how did you actually, um, you know, my understanding is that you took Union Rescue like through the roof on fundraising. Yeah, it was three hundred percent year over year for three years. Yeah. So <laughs> I want what I want what they're having, Dan. How do <laughs> I how do I get what they're having, Dan? Well, we have to think in terms of systems because one, we're tired. I mean, I have never met any nonprofit that goes, you know what? I just have a lot of time on my hand right now <laughs> and everything's good. So if I could spend like three hours make, writing an email, that'd be great. Uh, nobody's doing that. They're like, we're really busy right now. To the point that I just, when someone tells me that, I say things like, has there been a time when you weren't busy? Mm-hmm. And they go, no. And I'm like, okay, so let's just say this is our normal and yep. then we're fine and we move on. Um, so we have to think systemically. We have to think about automation. We have to think about some things that are crucial, like like email automation is just a, a crucial piece that anyone can do. And it's super simple. And if you're not doing it, and if it's not converting, you need to go back and you need to look at your messages again. And I actually have a, there's a, a lot of options out there. I mean, like, I feel like MailChimp, ConvertKit, um, there's like a billion different uh, email options. And they all give great options for insight. Now, you have to work on it once, and then you let it go for a little bit, and you come back, and you check it. Um, it's kind of like a budget. Um, you, you set it up, and then you see how it works, and then you come back and check it again. Um, so that's really crucial. 
So one is strong systems. What's two? Strong system. Um, editorial calendar. And so that's part of that, that thing. And you have to have that planned out because there are not a lot of surprises in uh, your, your job. Like in terms of if I'm, if I'm working in water, I know that I am probably going to talk about water a lot more during the summer because water's like a big deal for everybody. But it's a big deal all the time. But if I'm talking about like Heal the Bay, well, we're going to have some initiatives in the spring and the fall. And so that's going to be a crucial time. So I can plan that out and then back it up, right? That think with the end in mind, you know, some Stephen Covey stuff on there of like, okay, if I want to put out a video on our big Heal the Bay campaign in April, I need to start making it in January. And, and everyone goes, well, that's so early. And I go, right, that's, that's about right. Because um, we want to talk about what could happen. You need to give yourself some time to dream, but then... Think through, like, what is this going to look like? What is this going to look like? And I think I even have some samples of editorial calendars, like going through all of your, your stuff from Facebook to website to what's your theme? What themes are you working on this year? What's your, your massive over, over idea? And it helps you think through these little pieces and then you build your systems to it. Like in your website, is your website, are you asking people for their email? I can't tell you how many times I've worked with an organization and there's no clear way for them, for people to sign up, whether it's a pop-up or it's in their top bar or something like that. Just that little small thing. I did that with a, uh, uh, a organization and all of a sudden they were like, our, our email list grew by 40% in two months. And I'm like, so there were all the people coming there and then there was an invisible barrier because we didn't have it. And it's just this like tiny small thing. And that's where like treat your web guys and, and gals very nice. They're all overworked. They're all super behind, and that's how because I don't know any one person that's ever launched a website on time. Um, it's not as common as you as you might think. Um, so <laughs> it, it's 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 those kinds of things that like how do those systems then play into a thing like I sign up for your email list? Do I get an automation? Is there a do I get a mailer when I donate? Like what level at what level do uh, does the CEO write a letter? Is it ten thousand dollars? Is it a thousand dollars? Like what kind of things are triggers that change the system, right? And you have to think about those branches. So what I'm thinking about here is that you're talking about systems and structures and calendars that enable you to have some foundation for what the sto- story needs to be at certain points, right? Is, is, that, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, because so, okay, it's story about, planning. Right, so, so story, connect the story piece to the structure, to the systems and processes. Because I'm thinking okay, so, there might be some f- people listening and saying, okay, I, I get that. I need a donate button. I, but, I, but how does that connect to this story thing? And sure, can you t- sure. tell me how I'm supposed to make Joan feel like a hero so she gives me more money? Sure. So so we know, so we go back to any, let's let's pick a story we all know. So um, uh, you got a favorite, Joan? I, I, you got I, a favorite movie? Yes, The Sound of Music has a. Sound of Music. This is a great choice. Great choice. Okay, so Sound of Music is um, classic hero's journey. Like, I can really do that. Super, super classic. So we have Maria, right? She's doing her thing. She's a nun. She's not fitting in. Everything's terrible. She's trying, but it's not working, right? So they're like, why don't you go over to the Von Trapp family? Do your thing. Um, so we once we get there, we learn that she's precocious and the kids love her and the romance thing starts and, but it's all, of course, because it's romance, we have to start negative, right? That's classic rom-com. Everything starts negative. I don't like you. Then magic, right? And that's, that's, those are the the things. So we, we have positive to negative or negative to positive turns um, uh, across it. So um, Maria, uh, 
I'm so sorry. I got so excited. Um, so now connecting that to, to, so we have some structure. We know that Maria's going to do a thing. That's actually a structure piece. We know that there's a time with her in the family. That's another structure piece. We can, we know that there's going to be the introduction of the Nazis and that's going to be, so there's our villain. And we understand that we're in, what's it? 1936 Austria. Is that yes. where we are? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so and we're wearing outfits made of drapes and we're hanging for trees. Right. Right. So there's just like a lot of little fun things, but those little fun things like drapes, that's social media. And that's, you know, like I just think of it when we pull it apart, we've got, we've got our hero. We've got, she's going to do one thing. There's going to be a, basically in, in stories, we talk about negative and positive. So like um, Indiana Jones goes into the cave he, and it's terrible, but he finds the gold statue, but, and he grabs it, but there's more booby traps. And then he's on his way out and his friend betrays him. And it's like, so it just goes, turns positive to negative, positive to negative. And it's, it's important for us because that's normal uh, story piece. Um, <coughs> so connecting this to, your nonprofit. Yes. You have, um, when you're planning stuff out and I'm looking at the whole year, I know who my hero is. I know who my uh, victim is. I know who my villain is. Now it's like, what are the adventures we're going to go on? And the adventures can be the different things that you have happening. I know that you're going to have in your year, you're going to have some sort of end of year gala. I'm going to find out if your end of year giving is same as the um, actual calendar year. Cause if it's not, that's different. So we're going to, we're going to put a little piece right there. Like, okay, so June at June, we're going to talk about money cause it's end of year and mm-hmm. we may have a deficit. So we're going to put that like June's going to be a thing where we're going to talk about that. And then end of year, we know that that last quarter is going to be where we get 53% of our donors um, going to be right there. So we're going to talk about what, what that final campaign is going to be. And we're going to start thinking, dreaming about it. What's, what are we going to talk about in October and November and then capitalize on in December? What are we going to do that leads up to it? Because we classically do some acquisition, right, in our story piece. So then we've got all these pieces. And now we go, okay, so what are these campaigns going to look like? What do we want to do? What do we want people to leave with? And this is just a normal story thing. If, if I'm writing a screenplay, what do I want the audience to feel? What do I want people to, to do? Do I want them to go, don't go down those stairs? Or do I want them to be like, this is hysterical? Like, because horror movies are great, but when horror movies get funny, sometimes they're even better. And so it's, these are the different tools that we have as storytellers on how, how that can connect. I feel like I went all over the place. No, that's okay. It's fine. (laughs) I want, and we just have just a couple of more minutes. So I want you to offer a couple of pieces of very specific advice that's about how the story gets told or what, what's the lessons you learned that allowed so much. So I, what I totally am hearing is structure that you have to think about what parts of the story you're telling during what parts of the year, right? That this, this overriding narrative should drive how you think about story, right? What Mm -hmm. lessons, if I, if I brought on Union Rescue, what would they say you had done for them that was distinctive in terms of the story, in terms of what motivated more people to give? Um, I would probably say that their marketing started to match their DNA. So uh, a lot of times a nonprofit will do these, you know, because they hire a consulting company or a marketing agency and the marketing comes in with this super slick whatever, but it actually may not connect to 
who they are. And the thing is, any marketing agency needs to spend time with the organization to, to know that. Like when I work with people, I tell them like, it's going to take me like a month just to like figure out your flavor so that it doesn't feel like everybody else's. Now I can do some stuff quick right off the bat, but knowing that like, I'm not going to know our big campaign till six months in. Um, uh, and that's pretty normal. And then things change drastically. But um, so I, I'd say that, that it has to match. That's a, that's a crucial, crucial piece. DNA meaning sort of the, the personality, the gestalt yeah. of the joint. Right. Because like, if I, I can't, in the issue of homelessness specifically, I went from Union Rescue Mission to United Way, both dealing in homelessness, very different flavors. Yes. Very different flavors. And I can't market them the same way. Well, one of them is, one of them is more sort of CBS, you know, and one of them is Sugar Bear. Yeah. A hundred percent. So right. it would be weird if I was like, so CBS markets to people in their fifties who watch TV traditionally versus um, Sugar Bear's like on the street and he's Snapchatting you. And so it's very different in terms of how that, how that looks. Cause where those people are, those audiences, they're, they're going to be different. Um, yeah. Even the, just the feel, the corporate feel will be different. And I don't mean the board because boards are a whole different ballgame. Yes. But just the, the actual staff, like sitting down with the staff. Um, one of the things that, that I just see is like, usually there's a, a sadness a lot of times with nonprofits. They feel defeated. So I think it's crucial to get time away, time away, like whether it's planning, like say, hey, I'm taking the half day. I'm taking the half day and go to the beach and stare at the water and bring your notebook and think about what could be. Having a vision for what is is crucial. And there are some ways to do that. Uh, but but I think that's a, a crucial way to give yourself like a little bit of time off, take a weekend, um, get away if you can. And that's the tough part because usually nonprofits are on fire. Um, and so it's like, I can't leave. But I'm like, if you can't leave, we have a real, real problem. And that's going to bite you in the butt later well, on. Well, and, 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 and maybe that's a, a good place to, to end this, to say that the messaging of your organization, which will make me want to be a hero with you, um, it needs to communicate to me n- not a, a, a sense that there, uh, certainly a sense of hopefulness, an totally. aspiration, right? That you can be the hero in, you know, in creating a world where, fill in the blank, right? right. And I, I think so many times nonprofits lead with guilt because it's easy. It's yeah. super easy. If I make you feel bad, I'm going to get 20 bucks right now. I'm yeah. an ASPCA all day. That's oh. our McLaughlin song. <laughs> it starts, I, I mean, it makes me sad now just thinking about it. Everybody who's listening knows and everybody who's listening has has grabbed the remote as soon as yes. they heard yes. that song, Arms of an right. Angel. Um, right. so Did I, it work? Yes. Yeah, totally. I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, $60 million, I think. It's unbelievable. But I, I'm I'm very, like, here it is 10 years later. We're still talking about the ASPCA making me feel bad in the middle of a, you know, afternoon. Um, the takeaway for me, as when we are totally out of time and then some, is... Um, is it may just be time for you as nonprofit leaders to begin to think of your donors as the hero. It is not something that I came to this conversation thinking about, and I have a pretty good hunch that you didn't either. Um, that that what Dan talked about today was really about the sort of the basic narrative that we've grown to know and love since the time we could have a book read to us. 
that um, that that narrative can take you and you can parse it out and use it for different audiences, different times of the year. There's certainly a discipline that Dan has talked about here that's critical. Um, but making the audience feel like they are instrumental in the success of the organization, well, there's a big takeaway for you today. And if, if you got there's a lot in this conversation, but if you got nothing more than that one, it was a good day at the office for you and for the and for the two of us. So, Dan Portnoy, thank you so much for joining us um, and sharing your wisdom and your DJ-like voice with us this morning. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All good. right. So, thank you very much for joining us. Um, as always, um, we are so fortunate to have folks like you listening, but more importantly, we are so fortunate to have folks like you out there um, changing the world in ways large and small, and it is nothing short of a privilege to be able to provide you with guests like Dan to um, fuel your work and the joy and privilege that comes with your service. So have a good day, and we will see you next time. Joan Gary's obsession with supporting your work takes many forms. Subscribe to her blog at joangary.com reaching over 100,000 visitors monthly from over 170 countries. Explore the Nonprofit Leadership Lab, the best online resource for board and staff leaders of small nonprofits at nonprofitleadershiplab.com. Join 15,000 kindred spirits on Facebook at Thriving Nonprofit with Joan Gary.